Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Julie and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is here. I'm sorry I had the phone down. Today is December fourth, Wednesday, and we are reading from the big book and we are on page XX paragraph that starts with another reason. Today's readers are Michelle, Penny C, Sharon, Marietta for the 12 Steps, and Nancy T for the 12 Traditions. The reference number for yesterday's meeting, December 3rd, was 5571. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marietta to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Marietta. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so, do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass. And Thank you, Thank you, Marietta. I will now ask Nancy T. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Julie. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nancy. I'm a compulsive reader in Lewiston, Idaho. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 
five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group I never endorsed by announced or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Nancy. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There are no abstinent requirements for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that you sh- your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book means to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page XX with the first complete paragraph, another, starting with another reason. And I will ask Michelle to begin reading. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Michelle H. in St. Louis, Missouri, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you, God. Another reason for the wide acceptance of AA was the ministration of friends, friends in medicine, religion, and the press, together with innumerable others who became our able and persistent advocates. Without such support, AA could have made only the slowest progress. Some of the recommendations of AA's early medical and religious friends will be found further on in this book. Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious organization. Neither does AA take any particular medical point of view, though we cooperate widely with the men of medicine as well as with the men of religion. And um, so in this, forward to the second edition, they're outlining the reasons why AA grew by leaps and bounds. And the top of the page, it tells us um, the two primary reasons were the large numbers of recoveries and reunited homes. And then in this paragraph, it says another reason for the wide acceptance of AA was the ministration of friends. And um, I looked up the word ministration, and, and it says the aid and, and service of friends. And, and isn't it wonderful that um, this group um, of Alcoholics Anonymous, a, a group of drunks who became recovered, 
um, have these wonderful friends in medicine and religion because they've seen the transformation. They've seen this change in in human beings that, that they themselves, doctors of medicine, um, were not able alone um, to find, you know, to help them in the recovery. But this group of Alcoholics Anonymous um, helped to make this transformation with, with the help of their friends, you know, Dr. Silkworth, um, <clears throat> who first, you know, help Bill to, to understand, you know, the physical allergy. And and it says that these are able and they're persistent. They don't give up. They're advocates. Um, they see how other human beings have been, been raised up and transformed. And and it's and then AA, I just see this as spirit of gratitude to their friends that without this support, AA could could have not made the progress. It would have that growing by leaps and bounds, it would have made slow progress. And, um, you know, I went to the back of the book um, where it gave some endorsements, if you will, or it's called The Medical View on AA on page um, 569. And it, and it says, since Dr. Silkworth's first endorsement of Alcoholics Anonymous, medical societies and physicians throughout the world have set their approval upon us. And they gave, an, you know, some excerpts from... Um, <clears throat> this paper that was read at this medical society, and at the bottom it says this was in 1944. And on down, there's a psychiatrist, the Dr. Collier, who says that any therapeutic or philosophic procedure which can prove a recovery rate of 50% to 60% must merit our consideration. And it goes on to tell um, a few more endorsements of people that have seen, you know, such recovery that they're they're you know, they're stunned by it, they're amazed by it, and they're saying, you know, how can we, we not but give it our endorsement? And just looking at this spirit of trying to get this primary purpose of getting this message out and and noting that it was because of their friends also in, in medicine and religion, um, ministers, priests, rabbis, who were also giving this program their blessing, it says. Of every, every denomination gave their blessing to this program, and so AA, although you know they don't they don't endorse um, or take any kind of particular point of view, they cooperate. They cooperate widely with with these men um, of medicine and religion because it's going it's going to help to bring this message to carry this this message to others. And I I, I hear in um, my Sunday home group meeting of people being carried the message by by people in medicine um, and people in med- of religion. Um, I hear more and more people, especially in my home group, a couple of people saying that their counselor um, told them repeatedly, "Why don't you try Overeaters Anonymous?" Um, or their minister at their church told them, "Why don't you try Overeaters Anonymous?" That's their story. And part of my story is that. Um, I was a person who kept looking to self-help books, and one of the self-help books I picked up particularly was because there were credentials on it. It was a medical person, and it said, why don't you try Overeaters Anonymous? And so this message is being carried widely because of the cooperation that AA um, has taken from the very beginning. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? This is Janice. Let's start. Julia? Janice? Yes. 
Janice from Massachusetts. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, it was just said this is the third reason, the third biggest, one of the biggest reasons. Um, two, not only because you know alcoholics were were were, were there, there was no treatment. They would dry out and they would go back in the hospital again. So because these people and they call them their friends. Imagine having a friend that endorses you, that supports your ideas, that puts their stamp of approval on what you're doing because they saw the the transformation of alcoholics becoming sober and recovered. They were functioning. They were back with their home. They were on their job. They were in communities. And, you know, to have persistent advocates, advocates, um, to give a, a, a group stamp of approval is really something. And it, it's, in, it's interesting that there's wide acceptance. These people weren't necessarily alcoholics, and they approved of this movement, um, which, is, which is really awesome. Um, and they, we never, and it's part of our traditions in a way that we cooperate. They cooperate with us. We don't have any affiliation with them. We don't say, well, Dr. So-and-so said that this is how you have to do it. Um, there's no, you, you can be of any religion that you want to and still, you know, um, be supportive and have friends in the, in the program and outside of the program. So that's, that's what I see. And this is what helped tremendously with the growth of AA because of the endorsement, because of their stamps of approval, because they saw it was proof, transformations, recovered alcoholics. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to share? This is Kim. Hi, Kim. Go ahead. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim James. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm so glad Michelle brought up that medical view. And I'm going to take another doctor's medical view to show that not only the support of AA um, by these medical doctors, but the the understanding of of how this 12-step program works. I'm going to read on page 570, Dr. Bauer. And this is his description of Alcoholics Anonymous, which I think is beautiful. It says, Alcoholics Anonymous are no crusaders. They're not a temperance society. They know that they must never drink. They help others with similar problems. In this atmosphere, the alcoholic often overcomes his excessive concentration upon himself. Learning to depend upon a higher power and absorb himself in his work with other alcoholics, he remains sober day by day. The days add up to weeks, the weeks into months and years. And what a beautiful description of what the 12-step program is supposed to look like. We're not crusaders and we're not a temperance society. What is a temperance society? That was very popular in the 30s. Because prior to Dr. Silkworth describing this illness, what the society as a whole thought was, the problem isn't that these guys drink. The problem is they get drunk. And temperance means to moderate. So if we can teach them to moderate their drinking, to control and enjoy their drinking, then they'll be okay. Now, doesn't that sound a lot like what we hear today? If we go on our favorite talk show host or our favorite you know, magazine as we're in the aisle in the grocery store and they teach us, 
you know, they put little bags with 100 calories in it and tell us just to eat 100 calories of it and we should be okay. That is not what Overeaters Anonymous is about. It's the next line. They know they must never drink. Never. Once we know what foods and food behaviors create the phenomenon of cravings, we can never participate in them again because of the allergy of the body. Do our meetings bring that message? Is that the message in Overeaters Anonymous or are we still pretending we are a temperance society? Then it says they help others with similar problems. In this atmosphere, the alcoholic often overcomes his excessive concentration upon himself. That explains the 12 steps to me. What are we told in step three? That selfishness and self-sentiment is the root of our trouble. And this doctor gets it. Our problem is self-centeredness. Our problem is self. Our problem is that we are blocked from a higher power because we are so consumed with self. And then what does the 12-step program teach? The doctor says again, learning to depend upon a higher power and absorb himself and work with alcoholics. Is that what we're teaching? Are we teaching in a way that the solution to this problem is a relationship with a higher power and working with others? Or are we a diet program with support? Are we telling people that this diet plan, this food plan specifically, is your answer? I spent many years staring at a food plan thinking that was the answer. And this doctor is seeing that it's learning for dependence upon higher power and working with others that allows these alcoholics to remain sober day by day, add the day that up to weeks, and the weeks into months and years. That's a beautiful description of the 12-step program. And it's not by an alcoholic. It's by a doctor who has tried many methods and is endorsing this behavior. One of the saddest things that happened to me a few years ago is I was talking to my nutritionist who I worked with for 15 years, and I was talking about my frustrations in my meetings. And she looked at me deadpan in the eye, and she said, Kim, unfortunately, many OA meetings is where compulsive overeaters go to die. We need to look at that as a fellowship. What are our meetings carrying? And that that message that Dr. Collier believed in 1944 could happen in Overeaters Anonymous, I am telling you, we could change the world. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to share before we move on? <clears throat> Hi, this is Melanie. Hi, Melanie. Go ahead. Hi, good morning. I just wanted to add to what other folks are saying in my particular understanding and twist of it as it applies to me. The first sentence, um, as many have been sharing on, is another reason for the wide acceptance. And I think of wide acceptance. It's this, this, uh, this sweeping broad idea that other folks are starting to consider it being true, and that's because um, I will accept something that has depth and weight to it. That's something you read in the doctor's opinion on XXBIII. The message which can interest and hold those alcoholic people must have depth and weight. So why the menstruation and care from these people, these people that have credentials? Certainly I remember that Dr. Silkworth, his first original letter, he didn't sign his name because I don't think that there was wide acceptance at that particular point from his um, colleagues. And so there was some caution in that particular area. Um, it is um, on page 17 that explains that to me. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. 
We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news that this book, this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. And I like thinking about that. It had depth and weight. And this first 100 had proof that something was one way for such a long time and society had such a bleak opinion of these men and women. And then there was this shift and there was no denying it. And so when these things started eking out and it got the attention of other folks and professional people in particular and it stayed consistent and it worked with the same simple solution over and over and over again, people stood up and took notice and became, I think, crusaders. There were these articles in these papers that really was indicating to me that they were crusaders. There was more research that took care. And so there was more in terms of uh, crusading, I think, in this particular situation. I have a story in contrast. A couple of years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, in um, Region 4, there was this wonderful campaign to um, offer a, a conference of education and training to the professional field. And so those in our region um, and our individual meetings were, I guess it was actually our intergroup, I won't say region, in our intergroup, um, the meetings were asked to supply to intergroup for this particular function um, names of the professional people that we had been involved with, doctors, um, psychologists, psychiatrists, of all kinds, professional folks in that way. And then um, there would be developed this conference to invite these people, letters sent out to these professional people to come to a conference for this training and education. And they worked on this campaign for quite a long time to get it to gel. And it was shifted and changed and um, to maybe be something a little bit less so it wouldn't take their whole day or whole time or whole weekend. And, and ultimately, it didn't get off the ground. Um, the letters that were sent back, um, that were sent to these professionals did not return in the way in which which had been hoped in order for this to get off the ground. My own personal experience with my doctor, I asked oh, probably about four years ago um, if she would be interested in why and how I had taken off this weight, and I shared that with her, and she had no idea about what OA was. She had never heard of OA, and I was actually surprised about that. And another doctor I had asked if they uh, would have anybody that might need something like I needed in order to recover from um, their obesity for health reasons and for spiritual reasons. And uh, they said, thank you very much. It looks like it worked for you, but it's not anything that we're interested in. And um, that wasn't but a, a few years ago as well. I think that things are changing. I surely hope that that's the case for us in OA. But with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Melanie. And um, I think we're going to move on to the next paragraph. Kenny C., would you read the next one? Good morning. Thank you. This is Penny C., recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. Alcohol being no respecter of persons, we are an accurate cross-section of America. And in distant lands, the same democratic evening up process is now going on. By personal religious affiliation, we include Catholics, Protestants, Jews, Hindus, and a sprinkling of Muslims, Buddhists, more than 15% of us are women. And that, that, just that first phrase there, you know, alcohol being no respecter of persons, how true. You know, it says in the beginning of the 
chapter, there is a solution, talks about how that, you know, we are, we are people who would never have mixed. We are, we are people from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, and except that we have a common problem, we never would have come together. And except that we have a common solution, we never would have stayed together. And this was pointed out to me very clearly. About 20 years ago, my sister and I went up to the gravesite of of Bill Wilson. And um, if you if you haven't been there, let me just t- say quickly, it's it's an old country graveyard, and there's <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> There's nothing to distinguish this little grave site with just a very, very small headstone on it. There's nothing to distinguish it from the other other grave sites except that it's trodden, the grass is worn, where people have come to, to pay their respects. And so we went there, and the two of us just kind of stood quietly. Now here we were two somewhat proper nurses in our mid-50s and just being silent when along came uh, a group of Harley Davidson riders with their leather jackets and and their tattoos and just, you know, not, not, not like us, it didn't seem. And they came over and they stood with us and my sister said, it feels like we should hold hands and say the serenity prayer. And indeed we did. And there were about six or eight of us joining hands and realizing that that it didn't matter. You know, the, these 12-step programs, alcoholism, compulsive overeating, um, we, 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 have, we have that in common. And I can remember feeling such... Uh, a connection to those men and women that otherwise I don't think I would have ever had any reason to 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 talk to them, much less hold hands and pray with them over the grave of this this, this person who was one of the founders of a movement that indeed is 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 everywhere in the world, even third world countries. And so I'm just very, very grateful and really privileged to be part of of what this movement has become. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Yes, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you, Julia. Thank you for your service. And this would be Paula. I'm going to go to that first line, the first word, alcohol being no respecter of persons. It doesn't respect you. And soon you don't respect yourself and then it comes together. But here it says clearly, we are an accurate cross-section of America and in distant lands. Oh, remember the geographic cure. Well, maybe if we go here, maybe if we go there. No. It'll find you because it's within you. And in distant lands. This is the part William James says clearly on the back of the book. He says many things, but we're coming here. It binds you and it blinds you. And it doesn't matter what your name, your title, how many love you, how few don't. But then it goes on. The same 
democratic evening up process. The same one that will pick and choose. Oh, no, honey, it'll take it all. But here, the same process of being recovered, it's there for you, is now going on. It doesn't say it went on. It's going on today. Here we are on the line. Here we are on the line. And so it was so beautifully described. All different countries, states, places. And I mean places in many ways. Some are in hospital beds. Some are visiting hospitals. Some are taking care of their children. Some are but yet children themselves. But here it comes up is now going on. You know, I keep thinking, yeah, it is a hard place being where we are. But I'll tell you, it's the best place. And I look at those numbers, but great numbers of these, about two or three, began to return as time passed. Can it be a word from this book with the power of God behind it and within it, as it says so clearly? Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else would like to share? This is Barbara from St. Louis. May I share? Yes, Barbara, go ahead. Hi, and good morning, Vision, for you. Uh, You don't know what you mean to me this morning. Uh, I am just so moved by what I've been hearing, you know, this fellowship and how it's grown. And what I want to say is that I I just recently saw uh, an exhibition about prohibition, uh, the history of prohibition in the 20s and how it became law and why and everything. And it was because we're talking about temperance societies and uh, I don't know the full extent of them, but some of them were just about, also were about um, the effect of alcohol, mainly on women, and th- uh, because of these men that were drinking and the violence and the the poverty that was that was taking place in families' lives because of alcohol, and just how damaging that was, um, and just incredible machinery that came together to make. Uh, drinking and alcohol illegal, and uh, you know, I just how un, I, I was trying to picture that happening today. When you think about the power of the tobacco lobby, and and how anytime there's big money interest in something, you are not going to make that illegal um, if if the people can help it. But somehow this happened because this was such a destructive force, and you know, people just came together, <laughs> and yet even with all of that. You could not stop it. You could not stop alcohol and the effects of it on people. And, and in fact, it made it more because uh, women drank at home. There were medicinal things for, for families and um, for that, that was their form of drinking. They didn't drink with the men in the saloons. Um, and now suddenly you've got these speakeasies where men and women are drinking together, and it changed society. But it, it just... What was really powerful to me, though, is I was thinking, well, when was the big book written? Oh, my God. Only five years after Prohibition ended, um, you know, ended in 33, and we had just as a whole country seen this uh, happen, and it was in our – and then we were in the middle of the Depression. So – I don't know what all of this has to do with us exactly, but it just just really struck me as something – 
how, how very powerful this disease is, that you could have a whole country trying to stop it with, with laws. And, it, and yet AA, with our little rooms where we're holding hands and saying the serenity prayer, that is the thing that worked and um, continues to work. And for that, I'm grateful. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Barbara. Good morning. This is Bella Leah. Hi, Bella. Um, and who um, also would like to share after Bella? Leah. Leah. Okay. Go ahead, Bella. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Julie, for leading this me- uh, this meeting, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Wow, I love these paragraphs and. Before the program, I knew that I am alone, I am lonely, I was very much isolated, and uh, thank God, thank God, it's a miracle that I came to the program, and the main thing is, is no more I and me, it's we, we are all together, we are a big family, and it's a kind of interesting how we can be all together, we are so different. We are all so different. We are. We live in different places. We, 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 we have different religions. We are different sex. We are different ages. We are all so different. But one thing brings us together. We share the same disease. We all have the same disease, and we are looking for the same hope. And because we are sharing the same disease, we have one leader, the spiritual lead, leader, the the guidance of God, and we all we 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 are not going along our own uh, rules and guidance. We have the spiritual guidance that, and. Um, in the paragraph before, we said for the wide acceptance. Yes, first of all, we have to learn to accept ourselves. And we are human. We don't have control. We don't have power. The only power is um, the power of God. And in this power, we are all together. We are having the same power. We share the same power, the power of God. And this is the beauty of this program. Thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Right, go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much, Julie, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Alcohol being no respecter of persons, we are an accurate cross-section of America and in distant lands. You know, that spiritual chain reaction that grew out of uh, Abby and and Bill to Dr. Bob and Akron now stretches to countless alcoholics. And, um, I mean, you know, it's so... Uh, diverse as imaginable. I mean, now we're getting a brief account, of course, of the history of AA, and, you know, thank you, God. Um, You know, it has stretched to more than, I think, 180 countries, and, of course, we know that this 12-step program has been adapted widely by uh, fellowships of people recovering from all kinds of addictions. Uh, You know, 
this paragraph to me reminds me that we are all inclusive, never exclusive. Everybody is welcome. You know, our disease is an equal opportunity uh, employer, and recovery is as well available to each and every one. And ultimately, that's what a meeting offers, a strong meeting with a strong message of recovery is that all kinds of people from all different backgrounds, all levels of education, all different types of religious affiliation, whether you're Catholic, Protestant, Jew, Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, etc., we come together young, old, black, white, from every facet, nook and cranny of the globe, and we come together and say that we have had a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery, and this is living proof, you know, that uh, a relationship with God has revolutionized our individual lives. You know, it, it's like pieces of a mosaic that when put together form a picture of hope. That's optimally what a strong recovery group offers. Um, and I just, you know, see it as, as so beautiful. I mean, just look at a vision for you and look at uh, the, the um, locations of its members. You know, we are people who would normally not mix. And, and how beautiful is, is that, that we embrace this diversity and we realize that the program of recovery works uh, for each individual you know, and each individual who follows this same path can have their own spiritual awakening. That is the dignity of this program of recovery. You know, I remember with great humor, this was a number of years ago, one of the recovered members of my old home group uh, had had left her profession and was now um, doing some stand-up comedy and and she had a gig at a at a local uh, comedy club in Minneapolis so a bunch of us went to support her efforts and uh you know it was just humorous as as i walked into this club with two of my fellows from my home group and i looked to my left and i looked to my right and it just seemed like an old joke you know a nun an orthodox jew and a lesbian walk into a bar. And that's what we were, you know, the three of us, as diverse as could be, and yet held together not just because of our common peril of compulsive overeating. We were bonded together because we stood on this program of recovery. And, uh, you know, we trace exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members of Alcoholics Anonymous. And what a beautiful thing that is. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leah. And I think we'll move on to the last paragraph. Uh, Sharon, would you please read that? Yes, Sharon, good correct. morning. Yes, good morning. Yes, thank you. Thank you for your service. This is Sharon, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. At present, our membership is pyramiding at the rate of about 20% a year. So far, upon the total problem of several million actual and potential alcoholics in the world, we have made only a scratch. In all probability, 
we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction of the alcohol problem in all its ramifications. Upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly. Yet, it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. And this is, uh, as always, Bill's writing is so beautiful and so poignant and and power-packed. When I read this paragraph, interestingly enough, what I see is uh, humility. I see humility. I see acceptance. I, I also see hope. Hope in that here's this fellowship, here's this answer to this worldwide problem that is pyramiding. It's growing rapidly. Yet, Bill admits, and there's this, that humility, that we've made only a scratch. Even though we're growing rapidly here on the Vision for You, we're growing rapidly, over 200 people. And wow, starting from such a small seed of a group. And now over 200 people in in a little over a year. Yet, only a barely a scratch, not even a scratch, uh, of the people that need to have a solution. Just a small fraction. And Bill also says the humility is is the recognition that we'll probably never be able to touch more than a fraction of the people. Yet, for those that get touched, it's huge. It's huge for our lives, for those of us who receive this recovery. It's huge. Yet, there's still more and more that need this help. Humility is also seen when Bill says, upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly. There are other ways, and people are free to receive those ways. I have a way of getting recovered that works for me. And on this line, there are there are people that do things differently, and yet we all have a recovery based on these 12 steps and of recovery, yet we do it slightly differently. So no monopoly. And even the 12 steps of recovery, there are other ways. I happen to like and believe in this way and will promote this way because I believe it works and it's a beautiful way of living. However, there are other ways for people to get recovered, uh, to get recovered and receive recovery. The other thing in this paragraph that is uh, shows a very interesting point of view for the writer is that when we look at the last sentence, it says that yet it is our great hope that all those who have yet found no answer. And I always think, you don't want to do what I do if you can find a better way, because this is not necessarily easy. It's 
beautiful. It opens up all sorts of new vistas. It brings a whole, it's a holistic approach as far as I can see because I, I have gotten recovery spiritually, physically, and, and mentally, all aspects of my life. And I'm able to touch other people and help other people who share my disease. Yet, um, it's for those who have yet found no answer. Because those who have other answers will not want to go to the lengths that I've had to go to get recovery. It also says here that those who have found no answers may begin, may begin, this is a beginning. It's a new beginning. And this, uh, this book offers a beginning. And we get on the road of recovery. And this recovery is a process. And it says that, the pages of, that you'll read the pages of, of this book and will presently. What does that mean, presently? That means in the near future. In the near future. So you read this book. You begin to have your eyes opened. And then you begin the road of recovery and you start this process of a new life. And a new life opens up to you. And you begin the process of living in this new, this 12-step way of life. It is a process. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to share? May I share? Yes. Go ahead, share. Uh, oh, okay. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't even know that I can say anything that Sharon didn't. The other Sharon didn't share, but it was so beautifully uh, put. But um, I was just going to uh, comment, and we have made only a scratch. In all probability, we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction of the compulsive reading problem, alcohol problem, and all of its ramifications. Upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly, and yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. And I just wanted to share that I have been uh, listening faithfully to this meeting since uh, July of 2012, and it definitely has <clears throat> offered to me and my willingness to cooperate that I now have uh, a hope. I am now a recovered compulsive overeater. The humility that uh, even in our day and age, you know, there have been so many uh, other ways to try and lose weight. I mean, it's on the front page of every magazine, media. I mean, there's just uh, so many different avenues that you can choose, even surgery and those type of things. And yet we just see uh, as we continue on that these do not work because they are missing that um, <clears throat> second part of the uh, solution, which is rooted in the spiritual principles that are available to us in this program, along with accepting that we have that physical allergy, which requires entire abstinence from those foods that we absolutely cannot tolerate and our bodies cannot tolerate. So I just have a lot of hope. I'm going to see my doctor in January, and she has seen me up and down and up and down and even tried to encourage me to go on one of these radical diets um, 
<laughs> the last time I was with her. So I am hoping to be able to go and speak to her um, and um, leave the results up to God. Um, and But the, the thing is, it's just one by one, as we begin to uh, experience this uh, actual true recovery and understand that we must... Uh, you know, the, we must, we must see the seemingly hopeless state of our mind and body and then uh, know that the answer to relieving both of those is in the complete willingness to uh, lay down the, the food that is, uh, we absolutely cannot tolerate, follow a plan that God will bless us with, and then use these steps to free us from that bondage that will always continue with any other way that we try to do this if we are truly a compulsive overeater. So I'm just so grateful to all of you out on the line. I am so grateful to your commitment to service. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Julie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. Well, I think I'll jump in for a second. Um, my name is Julie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, that first, um, second sentence where it talks about it's growing 20% a year membership. And this was in 1955. And it was growing because it was a successful endeavor. People were recovered. People were changing their lives. They were gaining back their families. Um People were seeking out Alcoholics Anonymous. And if we look at today's date with OA, our, our membership is declining. And, and why is it declining? You know, we don't have meetings that are sharing what our real problem is and what the real solution is. Um, I'm just so glad Vision for You is here today because I get to hear that strong message every day that comes right out of the big book. Um, we, we're growing on this meeting and we're sharing, and people are hearing it. Um, I was in a meeting in um, Roseville Saturday morning, and I was um, sharing. I had a woman come up to me, and she said, oh, I heard you on a vision for you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, here it is in a small town, face-to-face meeting in California. Somebody is on that meeting because of the big book, because of what they're learning. And we there's so many people that are out there that need a solution. And, you know, here we are spreading the word and people from all over the world are hearing the same message that Dr. Bob and Bill were sharing. So this is exciting times because we we could be growing 20% a year, growing and sharing and more people being recovered. So this is an exciting time for us. So thank you. That all passed. Anyone else like to share? Miss Leah. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much. Um, Yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. You know, it's just a friendly invitation, (laughs) a friendly invitation, outstretched arms by those of us that are recovered saying, you know what, Uh, we used to eat like that too. 
We used to drink like that also. Uh, we also thought we were, uh, you know, had a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And we, uh, you know, applied these steps to the best of our ability and had a transformation from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. And today we don't live that way, and we don't drink that way, and we don't eat that way. And this has worked for us. You know, the big book is very friendly about it. Um, You know, further ahead in the text, it says, you know, if he thinks he can do the job in some other way or prefers some other spiritual approach, encourage him. Encourage him to follow his own conscience, meaning I'm supposed to support that newcomer who, you know, thinks that they might have a better way. It says we have no monopoly on God. We merely have an approach. We have an implementation of the steps, specifically, uh, that works with us. You know, but point out that we alcoholics have much in common and that you would like in any case to be friendly. Let it go with that. You know, we're not trying to cram this down anybody's throat. Um, you know, uh, I, I used to binge my brains out in a, in a car in a dark parking lot, you know, while my loving husband waited at home. And I would binge for hours and hours and hours very violently and then purge uh, after that um, till my eyeballs hurt and my brain was pounding. You know, um, I implemented this approach, and I no longer live that way. You know, it says in our literature that our 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel, will drive out the obsession to drink, and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. You know, I am free today. I am free, and my experience, and thus my belief, is that the big book that we study every morning contains the best and most powerful directions for doing the steps quickly that gave me a relief from the obsession that sent me back to the food that beckoned me. And, you know, I've had, as a result of this program of recovery, a spiritual awakening, What the steps do is take away that mental obsession and substitute for that mental obsession a spiritual awakening, a sense of harmony with the universe, a unity with life that allows me to become sane and trudge the high road of a new freedom. And if that is a true story for me, which indeed it is, then that can be your true story too. And you too can implement these steps, and you too can have a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery, and you too can come forward and say that it was not through your own personal success or any power of your own or any human aid or any resource that you could muster up or any tricks or or methods that were up your sleeve that this is a program that that, that shouts with great... um, with great joy uh, how, how God can revolutionize our lives and it'll take us from the shackles of compulsive overeating and deliver us and put us on that road of freedom. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Fran please read a vision for you?
I'm sorry. I just put my book down. I can't find it. Could someone else read, please? Oh, okay. Uh, do I have a volunteer? I can this read if you like, Philomena. This is Larissa. I can read. Okay, Philomena, I think you said? Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Let me get the page. Okay, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come. If your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got, see to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.